This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We're talking to Dr. Marubini Sadiki, who also has a lived experience. Uh, yes, there's academic offerings that she's providing this, but has a lived experience of caring for a child with cerebral palsy. Dr. Sadiki, good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Evening, evening, and greetings to the listeners. Dr. Sadiki, we appreciate we appreciate your 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 time here with us on Power Perspective. And I think such an important conversation, right? Because life happens. Life happens and I don't think any of us are really ever prepared for certain elements in life. But when they happen, then you become more aware of your environment and where it's going short um, for other people. Your journey as a, as a disability advocate, can we talk about that? Thank you. I think it's important uh, that uh, I share my experiences uh, with the listeners. Yes, please. That um, raising a child with disability mm. has significant uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, after I realized that my child was not developing like other children, mm. I was overwhelmed with stress, shock, anger, mm-hmm. frustration. Mm-hmm. And again, with false blame, I felt embarrassed at my age. I felt so disappointed. And I was, you know, uh, you know I was so depressed. Mm. You know, as a result, I was isolated due to also a speculation about the child's uh, disability amongst the community members. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to ask myself, you know, consciously that uh, why did I give birth to a, this kind of a child? Sure. What was the cause? It's God's punishment. Mm. So I am bewitched. It was not easy at all. I had no life by then. I couldn't go anyway because I had to take care of my child. Mm. You know, the experiences of parenting a child with disability you know, was not easy by then. You know, mm-hmm. it was not an easy journey for me because I have to navigate the lonely space, uh, you know, was, you know, painful. I had no social or emotional support mm-hmm. when I was raising my child with disability. You know, I avoided public public places to keep, and you know, I make sure that I keep him away from the community. Why I did that? Mm. I didn't want the community to know that my child has a disability. Mm. Because I was shy. I experienced hardships without any form of emotional and social support. Mm. Especially in a moment when close colleagues and some family members were unsupportive. And, you know, I must say to the listeners, uh, my experience of uh, parenting a child with disability adversely impact to my well-being in various ways. Yeah. The societal stereotypes, the prejudice, Stigma, mm-hmm. psychological health struggles, 
economic difficulties, and lack of social and family support. Mm. I experience a great deal of emotional stress and burnout with no support by then. And due to the absence of support and lack of understanding of my child's disability, I suffered from self-blame, and that has a negative effect to my parenting responsibilities. Sure. So uh, that was my journey in brief. However, you know, I experience, a, you know, the challenge when I have to access the healthcare, you know, facilities. Mm. I felt helpless in the hands of healthcare professionals. The issue of power imbalance, because, you know, I consider the health professionals to be the best source of support yeah. and information you know, in understanding issues which are related to disability. Mm. I expected good advice and support when I discovered that my child has a disability. Mm. However, I was disappointed by the response and the kind of support I received from some of the health professionals. Because by then there was no counseling just to minimize emotional challenges, which, you know, I was experiencing by that time. Mm. You know, insufficient psychological support, you know, that will also minimize the emotional challenges which I was experiencing as a single mother from the community, rural, rural community. Mm, mm. I, I, if you if you can allow me, Dr. Sidiki, you know, when you mention about the amount of responsibilities that you take on, right? Um, and, and I mean, it, it, it could be a relatable experience from, from our experience as a family. Uh, there's, there's also the, I wanna, almost want to call it the intellectual strain that happens where in your instance, you know, your child is diagnosed with cerebral palsy. The amount of learning that you have to do in that space, did it cause any strain to you in just just the learning, the information overload that comes with that particular diagnosis, what it means, what it means and how the home should look, how the home should operate? Can can we talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes. I was coming to that. Mm. I'm, I'm coming to that. I think it's also important for me to outline yeah. on the, uh, you know, the diagnosis of the child. You know, how, uh, you know, how, how did I know that my child has a disability? Mm. Because, you know, remember, you'll be in and out to the hospital. I was mm. in and out to the hospital. But not knowing, you know, because I visited health facilities just to understand my child condition. Mm. And I was, you know dissatisfied with the explanation given to me by the health professional. I was, you know, I was not told the diagnosis of my child until he was three years old. Sure. You know, I managed to learn this, uh, you know, by, chance, by chances. I remember one of the good days, you know, I was queuing in one of the queues in one of the hospitals. You, mm-hmm. know, I was, you know, I took my child for physiotherapy. You know, one of the when one of the uh, health professional was out, and you know, she was calling. You know, 
all the parents who were outside who were queuing just to get in, just to see the health professionals. And she, 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 she just screamed outside. She said, those parents who have children with um, CP, they have to move from this building to that other building. Mm. You, know, I was, you know, I was on that queue. I started to realize, oh, CP, what is CP? Mm. I didn't know what that CP stands for because mm. CP is just an abbreviation. Mm. And, you know, I have to, you know, to, you know, I have to ask other parents, do you know what, what is CP? You know, do you understand what is CP? You know, everybody was like saying, no, I don't know. I don't know what CP means. So then to me, as I indicated earlier on that, there was no communication there was, there was, there were, you know, no, there was no structures. There was no counselling. Mm. You know, I was just, you know, on my own. And you know, for me, to you know, to to get to understand the diagnosis, because since you are a parent, but you can see that your child is not developing like other children. But you start to have a question. You know, mm. what went wrong? But I was discharged after the after I gave birth to my child. Mm. There was no communication. I was not told that this is what you must expect when you get home. You know, your child might not be able to walk. Your child might not be able to sit. You know, by himself. You know, so that I'm prepared psychologically. So, but what are the developmental gaps that you realize? What what did those look like? You know, you know, you know when you know when you were supposed to sit. Yeah. You know, with those few months, you couldn't do anything. Twelve months down the line, you couldn't sit on his own. You know, mm. I have to put him. You know, just to give him balance. You know, but I could see. You know that he's the other side, the left side is weaker compared to the right mm-hmm. side. You couldn't balance his head. You know, I didn't, you know, I could see that something is not right, but there was no one to assist. And, you know, as I'm saying that, I was in and out, in and out to the hospital. When you go to, you know, to the health facilities, they'll say, no, come the, the, that other man. They'll just give you a date. Mm-hmm. Come that other, you know, you must come. You know, there was no one to explain to you. And you are just, you know, frustrated. You are so stressed. You don't even know what's going on. You know, when, when you meet, uh, you know, when you meet other people, you know, they will ask you, what's wrong with their child? Some mm. don't see that something is not right. No, you know, my, expl- my explanation was like, you know, no, what's wrong with their child? And then I'll just simply say, you know, my child has CP. What mm. is CP? I couldn't even explain by mm. that time what is CP. You know, I'll meet, you know, at church sometimes when I go to church. What's wrong with your child? No, Mm. they're saying my child is CP. I don't even know, you know, what, you know, that CP means, you know. Mm. But, you know, you know, I longed for the partnership with the healthcare services providers in which my voice as a mother couldn't be valued because I had an experience of parenting because I could see the gaps. But, you know, you are not given that opportunity just to say, this is what, you know, um, you know, these are the gaps. You know, this yeah. is what I'm trying. You know, what will be the problem? What will be the problem? Because, the, you know, you need to know what is the cause of this? Why these gaps? You know, why I'm experiencing this to my child? 
but I, I couldn't get any explanation. As I'm saying to you that one of the, the health, you know, health, you know, professional one day said, oh, all of you, you mothers, we have CP children. Come and cue this side. I thought, oh, yeah, this is what it looks child? like. Yes, my child, oh, it's CP. So for me, CP, I didn't even know that CP is, you know, is an abbreviation, stand for cerebral palsy by then. You know, yes. I was just, you know saying my child has CP, CP. I don't even know what CP stands for. Mm. Dr. Siddiqui, I mean, when, you, when you're talking like this, I'm, I'm, I'm quite imagery. So I'm drawing a picture and can I lay a picture of a hallway and then, you know, somebody's just being sort of dragged into a line that they did not even know where, where not even aware that they should be standing at. And now there's a, there's a new presentation of information. When you go back home, and for the next couple of weeks at home, because you mentioned something quite important to say that you felt you did not receive family and social support. Let's start with the family support. What does that look like for you? What would have made the journey easier for you in terms of family support? The family support, I think the most important thing is just to give, just to give me a support. Mm. What do I mean about support? You know, because some of other activities you find that you are, you know, the family activities, you are uh, unable to attend, Mm -hmm. you know, say, for example, you know, you know, funerals, you know, social, social, you know, social clubs, you know, social activities, you are unable to attend, you know, just because of the perception that you have a child with disability Mm -hmm. and disability, you know, it's, it's, you know, disability, it has to do with a, you know, beliefs, you know, you, you are having a child with disability just because you have done wrong. Yeah. You have having a child with disability because it's a punishment. Maybe your parents they have done something wrong. So, yeah. so yes, you understand. But, you know, for me, not being part of the family as a whole, not participating in, you know, family matters. Mm. You know, I felt that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not accepted. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not considered. You know, I'm being, you know, excluded. But for me, if I was given a support because some of other family members don't come and visit, just to come and see that, oh, sure. you know, the child can't sit and the head is like, and you'll, ha- you'll hear people, you know, talking about this. Oh, that lady who visited something. Oh, she was here just to make sure, just sure. to see. You know, you hear other family members, you know, they'll, you know, at some stage, you know, you'll have to hide your child. If anyone knocks to the door, you have to take your child quickly, maybe to the bedroom, just to make sure that no one will see, because you'll feel so isolated, you'll feel so stressed when people come and visit as family members, but knowing that they just want to see that what kind of a child, three years old, the child can't walk, the child can't sit, you know, you know, such things. So then, you know, you know, for me, I just felt that, you know, the support was not enough. The support was yeah. not enough at all. However, if I was given a support at home, maybe it was going to you make a difference. More as you are a single parent, you have to take care. You need mm. to take the whole responsibility as to make sure that, you, you know, you take care of the child. You know, you, you are not getting a support from the health, uh, you know, uh, health uh, professionals when you go home. When you go home, you know, you are not going, getting a support from the community member. When you have to go to the clinic, you have a stress. You know, I have to, you know, I have to walk.
to the clinic, I'll be meeting, you know, mm. so and so. You know, they'll ask you, well, you know, what's wrong with your child? You, uh, you, you can't even explain wh- what went wrong. You can't even explain the diagnosis of the child because you don't know. You, you'll be just telling everyone about, oh, my child has a CP problem. Mm. What is CP mm. problem? You mm. understand. Mm. You, you, know, you understand. So, you know, that, 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 it, it's a serious challenge when it comes not, not knowing the, the diagnosis of the child, what, what was the problem, and the support, you, you understand, from the family, from the community. You know, and, you know, as a parent, I just felt that, you know, I was not even, because remember those days when you go to the hospital, you are not educated, and now you have to take whatever, this professional, you know, should be telling you, okay, you must exercise your child. You must do like this, do like this. Okay, you must come next month on this day. You just take the file and you go. You don't have to ask anything because you, you are not a professional. And who you are, you'll be asking so many questions, you know. You, you, you can't ask so many questions. And you are not given, you know, that platform for you to share the gaps to say this is what I'm seeing. Mm. Uh, you know, but this child, you know, you know, it's now three years. He can't sit. This child can do this on his own. You know, you understand. You don't have that information. And the fear, you can't ask. If you know, if the health professional she's telling you, this is what you must do. You must do exercise. Do you must hold this hand like this. You know, do just do like this. Take a sleep. Take your file. Come back next month. You don't have to ask anything. At some stage, you'll meet, you know, you, you know, there'll be a communication barrier mm. where what you don't understand this other language, and you, you you speak to vendor, and when you speak to vendor, you meet somebody who can't even communicate with you with your mother tongue language. So, so there's a miscommunication. You you, you understand. And I mean, I, I want to tap into that as well in that in that's another gap in terms of teachings, right? I mean, I, I so what I had firsthand experience with is rehabilitation hospitals, people who were were in major accidents, for example, when they start their recovery, pro, when they start putting putting them on, on therapy towards rehabilitation. One of the things that they'll do, for example, with someone with a traumatic brain injury is do speech therapy. Yeah? And what I yeah. found is that the speech therapist mainly spoke English or Afrikaans. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, there was one lady who spoke Isklosa and I remember just scolding at her. I lost it that day, completely lost it because she was speaking to, you know, my family member in Isklosa suggesting, no, Agavi doesn't respond. I'm like, that's not even his home language. Let's just start there. So l- mm-hmm. let us just talk about that part there in terms of you receiving this information and not just you, I get the community yeah. around you because I think when, when, you, when, you, when you are affected by a disability, you start to become more aware of other people whose special needs are not being attended to by society. The importance of language in communicating said or specific disability and just creating um, creating an, a conducive environment. Is language, is language really that important for you? Yes, for me, when it comes to a, when, you know, I'm going to relate this to a, to health professionals. Yeah. I'm going to relate this to professionals. I'm going to give an example. Yeah. Yeah, at the age of 10, 11 years, then because where I was staying, I was not staying far from a special school. When we have, you know, I went to a special school. I said, this yeah. is my son. I want my son to come to this school. They said, no, there are forms which you must complete. You must go to this hospital. The social worker, the psychology, the, you know, the, the, the OT, you know, they have to complete. Yeah. 
and assess the child. I went to that, that hospital. They were just completing without even looking at the child. But the last thing, you know, which hurt me is when I have to go to this psychology. Mm. This psychology is a white, white man. When I get to, the, to his office, he took the file. He said, I said, no, this is a file. And then I said to him, this is the file. You have to complete this part. I have to take it to the school for the admission of mm. my son for the coming year. He took the file and he wrote, uh, I think it was 45% uh, IQ. I took mm-hmm. the file. When I went to the special school, they said, no, with 45, we can't. It, it should be 50 plus. Mm. What, what is this IQ? I don't even know why. They said, no, the IQ is low. They couldn't even explain it properly to me. I have to go back to that to that white guy. Mm-hmm. I went to the psychology. I explained to the, they said, you wrote, for, for, there was no any instrument which was used to assess the child. But from nowhere, but he thought that 45 would do. When I went back, I said to him, this 45, the specials, they are saying they can't admit my child mm-hmm. because of this. Then he said to me, okay, what must I write? I said, write 60. He wrote, 60. When I, when I went back to that special school, they said to me, oh, yes, now, yeah, now you can fill this form. Next year, January, you must bring the child. I don't know what is IQ by that time. Hmm. I have to Google. I have to ask people, do you know what is IQ? What is this? Do you understand? The issue of barrier, the language, you know, because I couldn't engage him, you know, Absolutely. to say for him to explain. There was no any instrument which was used to get that 45, to come back now to 60, you know, to that 60. So then I'm saying the issue of a language is also a barrier. And the information, you know, because if the medical, you know, medical, you know, uh, 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 ways like IQ, like CP, you know, you won't know up until somebody will explain it to you. I appreciate that. It is six minutes past 11 o'clock. It's the fourth hour. We've been talking for four hours. We've been having conversation for the fourth hour now. Um, and of course, this is the fourth conversation, the fourth segment that we're having with Dr. Marubini Sadiki. And we are talking lived experiences um, with disabilities or being affected by disabilities or determinations or people living with disabilities, people living with determinations. And I, you'll note that I repeat all of them because then you, when, when I spoke about the the sort of the intellectual responsibility that you then carry is then saying things right and being correct in the terms and not being discriminative um, and not portraying any, you know, any sort of uh, prejudice in language. Dr. Siriki, we were still on this conversation. I want to, there's a question that's come up to ask, Jorge, uh, and, and maybe a detail we may have missed earlier. Kind of how old is your baby at the moment? Oh, for now he's a young man. Oh. He's thirty-five years old. Oh wow! Oh wow! Which which then you know brings us to the other segments of the conversation around curriculum. To say what education system was available for your child in that particular period. All right. Um, uh, by then, there were no. Um, uh, Again, there were no policies which were promoting inclusive education. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, learners with a disability, they were accommodated. They have to go to a special school. Mm-hmm. 
um, you can't take your child anywhere. You have to take, even if your child is just limping, you just have to take that child to special school. There were no means, the issue of mainstreaming school, it was not promoted by then. Mm-hmm. But however, since from 1994, the, Policies, uh, the integrated national disability policies, they were launched and those policies were to promote inclusive education. Mm -hmm. Those policies were to promote uh, disability as a human right that, you know, any child can, you know, uh, we have white paper number six on inclusive education. It was to promote that any learner, any child can go to any school, Mm. you know. You know, you don't. You, it doesn't matter that your child has a certain disability. Then have to go to a nearest special school. You can take your child to a mainstream school. You know, can, your child can be accommodated anyway. However, the challenge now by then is that you know, when you take your child to a special school, you find that you are, that, that special school ends to a. Um, if they like maybe go grade seven, mm-hmm. then now you have to take your child. Maybe you know you are somewhere in Bembe, you have to take your child to Pretoria. So then it was like costing. But however, by now, when I compare to the previous years, this time around, things are much are much easier because we have policies which are in place, which mm. promote inclusive education. As, as a result, those policies, they are embracing the diversity of learners with disabilities. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I appreciate the diversity that you present because, I mean, I, I grew up in a village where there were two schools that I was aware of. Tzadi, 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 uh, special needs schools. I remember there was Manjedi and there was, uh, there was Pelonolo. But also there's then that, what you mentioned, with that there was a lot of stigma in that mm-hmm. Ukara, there's not necessarily uh, an understanding, not understanding said with respect to those particular teachers, uh, you know, a, a separation of, because you could child, find a child on the, on, on the, on the autism spectrum, I get. And then you could mm-hmm. find a child, like you said, with, with CP, you could find another one with different things. And there are different needs here for the five. And you find that community is not necessarily serving to, to those. Is that a gap that you may have noticed as well? Was was your son given, you know, the adequate care and the adequate curriculum delivery that that you desired? No, no, it was not because when we talk about disability, um, when it comes to education, we we cannot when we cannot give a general blanket because the disability are different, mm. and the resources mm. for a you know for a child who's using a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it might not be the same to the child who's totally blind, mm. the child who's deaf. So then the resources or any assistive devices or the provision of reasonable accommodation, it might not be the same. So you might not give a general blanket. The, a, a child who's using a wheelchair might, a, might need a ramp, mm. but you know, a person who's totally blind or partially sighted can still maybe use a step. You know, such thing, I'm just giving an example. Yeah. yeah, a child who's totally blind might use a braille, whereas a child who's using a wheelchair, the braille is not relevant. Mm. So then you cannot give a general blanket because the uh, assistive devices or reasonable accommodation, which must be provided mm. to a certain disability, it's not the same. Mm. So most of the time you find that, you know, the mainstream, the, 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 those schools which we call the mainstream, most of other learners, you know, they find, the parents find it difficult for their learners to get mm. admission 
they'll tell you that, no, your child is deaf. We have to get a sign language interpreter. We have to pay. It's so expensive. Your child is using a wheelchair. Then this building, we can't. We have to negotiate with the landlord. You know, such things. You know, we have to spend a lot for us to remove this step and, you know, to, you know, to put a ramp for a child who's using a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the challenge is that disability, they are not the same. Whereas others, they are still saying, you know, you know, if you get a ramp, that's all. If you want to accommodate a person or a learner with disability, whereas it's more than a ramp. Is it, is it some of these tools, are they at your expense? Because you mentioned something quite important earlier on to say that at some point there was policy that indicated that you don't necessarily need to enroll your child in a special needs school. They can go to any common or ordinary school um, and receive and receive a curriculum rollout as with any other child would. All this equipment that you mentioned, body ram, because I mean, I'm aware they're quite expensive, right? Are they at your cost or the, the school holds responsibility to provide those? The, the school must, must, must hold that responsibility. The school must hold that responsibility to do that. Because remember, it's a right for a learner to get that education. It's not a favor for a child to get, true, you know, to, be, yeah, to get an access. Because remember, you know, some of other scholars, they will say, uh, you know, I, as a person with disabilities using a wheelchair or any kind of a disability, mm. I, when I get into the environment which it's not disability friendly. For me, if I'm using a wheelchair, I have to go to third floor and there's no lift. I'm not disabled, but the environment is disabled. Sure. You understand? Yes. So then the provision of reasonable accommodation, you know, the, 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 the government, the school must make that provision mm. to make sure that the building is accessible to a child with disability. Mm. If the child is using the deaf need, a sign language, so the department must provide. Mm-hmm. If a child is totally blind, will need brain facilities, they have to provide those assistive devices. But however, we do have those policies which promote, you know, inclusive education. Mm-hmm. But we, we are still experiencing challenges, though we have those, those uh, policies when it comes to in the implementation. We still have, you know, you know, uh, you know learners with disabilities. We who are still, you know, they are being, you know, discriminated because of their disability. No, you cannot come to this. We only need those who are limping because you you understand, because there's no monitoring of those policies which are in place as to make sure that learners with disabilities, they are not being discriminated due to their disabilities. I'd like to know, I mean, you you sound like you have very reflective conversations. Um, and, I, you know, I want to believe with, with, with your child as well. What's been their, their, their conversed experience? And what I mean by that, I mean, typically, you know, a parent, child would, would talk about certain things, be it puberty, be it that, be it that. What's been their reflection on this entire process, especially because you, you also get to difficult years, I get. And when I say difficult years, I don't believe there's an easy teenager to deal with out there. Sometimes I, I apologize to God for the teenager that I was. Uh, and those are tricky ages. How, what's been their reflection to you in terms of their experience? Because you've got your reading of the experience. You've got the emotions of the experience and your difficulties of the What's been their, their, their vocalized experience to you? Yeah, I'm not sure if I heard you. Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, my phone is... Like not a problem, Dr. Sadiq. I'll repeat that. What's been... Uh, the question really was around how 
uh, uh, between child parent and child um under under desired circumstances we would have reflective conversations like mama maybe I was a difficult teenager or this and this and that um in this particular instance you've got your very expressive uh, very expressed rather reality in terms of the difficulty of of being a, a single mother to a child living with a disability etc Going through the years, what's been your child's vocalized experience? How did how did they narrate it? Did they ever feel outcasted by society? How how do they narrate it? Yeah, I think um, I must say that um, when I had my firstborn child, yeah. who's now fifty five years old, yeah. I was still a teen. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was a teen. Um, Though I experienced, uh, you know, difficulties, hardships mm. through this journey. Uh, however, I met other parents who have who, were, who had children with disability, mm. and you know, the support, the support, the support groups of parents, you know, who had you know a significant advantage just to provide a support, you know, mm. and, you know, that opportunity to experience, you know, to express my experiences, you know, in a mutual supportive manner. Because for me, that was a platform for me and my son to share and to, you know, to learn from other mothers who have mm. children with disabilities. So then my journey it was so hardship throughout some years up until I met other parents who have children with disabilities, where we had an opportunity to share experiences and support each other. And the good part of it, from those support support structures, there were structures where, you know, our um, youth, you know, there, there was there was another wing for youth mm. where young, you know, young, 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 you know, children, they will meet youth, they will meet, they will have their own meeting. The, the most important thing, for those uh, support groups, it was to make sure that, you know, we are able to advocate for our children with disabilities. Mm. Youth with disability, they have to advocate for themselves, for their rights as children with disabilities, as youth with disability. Mm. So it was not an easy road. It was, you know, from my introduction, as I indicated, it was not an easy road. However, as I'm saying, with the support from other mothers, who have children with disability. Because the majority, those mothers, most of them actually, they were also single mothers. So mm. then we were sharing the same experience. We, you know, we, we, we understand each other and we, we, you know, we were holding hands, you know, to each other as to make sure that we, 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 we take full responsibilities to make sure that we support our children with disability for better future, of course. Absolutely. 0861987000. Inviting uh, Famisa into the conversation. Famisa from the Val, uh, who, has, who has a lived experience of a family, a loved one. Famisa, good evening and thank you for being willing to share your story with us. Hi, ma'am. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Mm. So, hey, what's your ma'am. experience, Famisa? Uh, my experience with a disabled partner is that it's hard. Mm. And you're having it hard. There's no support at all from the family members. Okay, that one. Can I ask what happened, Fanisa? Um, my husband, uh, 
my husband has um was born with muscular dystrophy. Please repeat that for us. Muscular dystrophy. My husband has muscular dystrophy. Okay. And and what does that mean? His muscles don't work. Okay. Yeah. So I am his hands and knees sure. and you guys. Sure. Do you, if I may ask additional questions, um, Fanisa, do you have, do you, are, are the children present? I have two kids. I have two children. I work in nine to five. And what does I mean? I know I'm 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 sort of going in here, but you are painting, you know, a, a very fam- a, a, a reality that I'm very familiar with, and I, I'd like to hear, you know, from it. It's sometimes so much getting when you hear it from another person, you almost feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not complaining. I'm not. Uh, what What does a day to day look like for you, Fanisa, as a mom and 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 a wife? Then in this instance, I wake up at five o'clock. Yeah, get the kids ready, and then at six thirty, I have to get my husband ready. I get yeah. I have to get myself ready. It's it's so hard, and in the black community, um, and it's so hard when you have a disabled husband. Yeah. It is hard. It is hard. It is difficult. Yeah. And uh, we don't get support. My husband is on a wheelchair. Mm. How how do you because Barring when it comes to husband and wife, even any even mother and child, right? But I really want to zoom into the husband and wife uh aspect of it because I get about la horabare maigano, we can etc. When you when you when you talk to him, um are you are you able to sometimes, and I, without, he's obviously not, you're not making him feel guilty. It's, it's just the, how are you? How are you? You know, mm. it, do you have the language to can say, this is hard, but I want to be here still? I'm, I'm, I'm here for him, but because he grew up in a household that, that doesn't even acknowledge his disability. Mm. So it's hard for him himself mm. to accept what's going on with him, you know? So it's hard for us in the house to... How did you guys meet? Um, we met 12 years ago. Yeah. He was still walking. Okay. His disability was not was not like showing okay, okay. Yeah. and he knew okay. he knew and he told me mm. because with muscular dystrophy um 
it doesn't, it's not like a disability that's personally, like, I don't know how to explain it. Mm, mm. Yeah, getting to a, that comes up, like, it, it gradually, he walks, and then at the age of, like, 20 and 25, he his muscles just give in. Sure. Yeah. What 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 does support your idea and ideal support from family members? Nah, it sounds like such a pedestrian question, but it's it's because I get we we have to be able to explicitly say I need. So that you know, what what does it look like for you? That support. Yo, I'm alone. I'm alone. It's just me and um, my helper comes about three times in a week. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just me and my helper three times in a week. He doesn't go to the loo. It's me. Everything is just mm-hmm. me. And I work a nine to five. So it's, it's, it's so much for me. Just a last question, Fanisa. Um, and, and I want to come back to you, if you may allow, if you've got about 10 minutes for us, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and and just the last one in terms of age, if I may ask, in terms of age range, your age range, and I specifically ask you in terms of age range, more than a husband, wife um, sort of scenario, because nobody anticipates being in this in their 30s and their 40s. You know, you know what I mean? Because it's, yeah, those are the young years that we want to enjoy marriage and our partnership. If I may mm-hmm. ask the age range, Yalona. Um, he's 40, so I turned 40, and I turned 33 this year. Sure. Vanessa, I'm going to ask yeah. you to hold so that we can um, say our farewell to to to, to Dr. Sadiki because I think you know there's another part of the discussion here. Uh, Dr. Sadiki, from what you're hearing from Vanessa, your reflections. I understand where she's uh, what she's experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, but nevertheless. As I indicated, that that was my journey too. My son is is using a wheelchair. He mm-hmm. never walked. He never walked at all. He was born just like that. Mm-hmm. So then, his disability and her husband's disability, it might, it's not the same at all. Mm-hmm. So then, our experience, it will never be the same. Mm-hmm. However, as I indicated that. Um, the support group um, had a significant advantage for me, you know, uh, with an opportunity to express to express my experiences in a mutual support, a supportive manner. Mm. Because for me, it was a platform to share and guide and learn from other mothers' experiences. Because I felt that, you know, I was equipped with knowledge and skills to advocate for my son's right mm. and to seek services for him. Uh, really, this openness was, uh, you know, a, a, thera- a therapeutic because we were sharing common matters that affect our well-being yeah. and the rights of our children. You know, working together, you know, in this uh, support group was an opportunity to share difficulties, experiences, you know, when mothering a child with disability. And, you know, it was, you know, also an intervention to overcome the challenges because really, you know, with disability, you'll still experience so many challenges 
is, you know, it could be an attitude, it could be, you know, the issue of accessibility, the issue of moving from point A to point B, mm-hmm. you know, the issue of the road, yeah. how do you, you know, the issue of the house, the house, you, if you are using a, a wheelchair, you need an open space, you are, you know, you are, you are, your bedroom must be bigger, everything must be big, hey. so then it has to do with finances, you know, the mm-hmm. ramp and everything, the car, mm-hmm. you don't just mm-hmm. use any car, so, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's there are so many things in between because really, as I indicated, that disability, they are not the same. So yeah. then the issue of reasonable accommodation, it, it, it might not be the same. However, I will say to my uh, sister, I understand what you are going through, but mm. uh, you can still partner with uh, other structures, with organization of persons with disability, just for, for them to strengthen you so that you are able to cope with the disability, so that you are able to give him support. Mm. Because alone, you might not do it. I'm saying this from experience. I thought that that was an end of the world by that time. But after I realized that I'm not alone, Mm. there are also other parents out there who have children with disability. So then life must go on. And here I am today. My son is now 35 years old, using a wheelchair. His disability is cerebral palsy. You understand. So I've learned from other mothers and those mothers who hold my hand to say, no, you are not alone. You can still do it. Sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Sadiqi. We truly appreciate you. Um, That's Dr. Sadiqi there who shared her experience and who's written academic papers on this. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.